to the Indian Creek Baptist Church podcast. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. Our website is www.indiancreekbaptistchurch.org or our email address is info at indiancreekbaptistchurch.org. It is our sincere hope that through this podcast, God will speak to your heart and touch your life so that you may grow closer to him. We're back in the book of Judges, Judges chapter 15 this morning. We have been looking at the life of Samson for the last couple of weeks. And um, i got to say it's been a little different. Uh, from what we've seen in the last couple of weeks, we understand that uh, there's something very different about Samson. When we look at all the other judges, the judges that have come before Samson have all been defending Israel against invasions, have all been uh, delivering Israel. And in, in this case, Samson is beginning to deliver Israel. But Samson is more aggressive than all of the other judges have been. Samson is going out and uh, fighting with just random people. Uh, we saw last week he went and killed 30 men in Ashkelon to, to cover a bet. And it's been a, an interesting look at his character. We're going to pick up today in Judges chapter 15 and, and see where we go from here. So Judges chapter 15 and verse number 1. The Bible says, But it came to pass within a while after... In the time of wheat harvest that Samson visited his wife with a kid, and he said, I will go into my wife into the chamber, but her father would not suffer him to go in. And her father said, I verily thought that thou hadst utterly hated her, therefore I gave her to thy companion. Is not her younger sister fairer than she? Take her, I pray thee, instead of her. And Samson said concerning them, Now shall I be more blameless than the Philistines, though I do them a displeasure. And Samson went and caught three hundred foxes and took firebrands and turned tail to tail and put a firebrand in the midst between two tails. And when he had set the brands on fire, he let them go into the standing corn of the Philistines and burn up both the shocks and also the standing corn with the vineyards and olives. Then the Philistines said, Who hath done this? And they answered Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite, because he hath taken his wife and given her to his companion. And the Philistines came up and burnt her and her father with fire. And Samson said unto them, Though ye have done this, yet will I be avenged of you, and after that I will cease. And he smote them hip and thigh with a great slaughter, and he went down and dwelt in the top of the rock Edom. Let's pray. Father God, again, we love you. We thank you for the ability to be here today. We thank you for your word, for your guidance, your direction, your wisdom. God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts today. I pray that you would show us uh, these character traits that we find in Samson and those around him. Lord, that you would open our eyes to see those in ourselves, that we would be able to put them off and serve you. So God, please guide us and direct us today. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This right here is a perfect example of what I was talking about a minute ago. Samson, rather than... Uh, gathering a group and defending against an invading army, Samson is going to go and he's going to tie foxes together and put fire between their tails and burn up the corn and the 
olives and the vineyards of the, the Philistines. He is essentially poking the bear at this point. He's goading the Philistines into a fight. But let's not forget that at this point, the Philistines are not innocent. They are, in fact, they have been, they've invaded Israel. They are uh, continually taking whatever they want from Israel. Uh, they're causing Israel harm. They have been for many, many, many years. So they're really getting exactly what they deserve. None of them are exempt. None of them are without blame. But Samson still, in all of this, we see a picture of a man who is far from godly, even though God is using him. And that's an important thing for us to understand, that the Bible tells us that it rains on the just and the unjust, that blessings fall on those who are righteous and following God and those who are not righteous and not following God simply because others are. The Bible tells us that that the storms come whether we're following God or not. But God uses whom he chooses. And, and the Bible tells us that God can take the heart of the king and turn it as the river. It doesn't say the heart of the righteous king. It says the heart of the king. And what we're going to see as we begin the book of Daniel that God is going to uh, over and over again, turn these Gentile kings' hearts. He's going to turn Nebuchadnezzar's heart. He's going to turn Cyrus's heart. He's going to turn Darius's heart. He's going to turn these Gentile kings and use them to do great things for God. And even here, Samson, who is supposed to be the picture, the uh, essence of a godly man from the very beginning, from his birth, who's separated unto God and following God, God, in spite of all that Samson is, because he's far from those things, is using him. And we need to be thankful for that today. Because I think in each and every one of us, we can see times where we really are trying to follow God. To do the best that we absolutely can by God. And then we see days where we are just as far away from God as any heathen out there. But as we sang this morning in John 3.16, for God so loved the world. He loved all of us. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. Job 4.8 helps us a little bit with this. Job chapter 4 and verse number 8. This is after... Job has had all of his trials, and, well, most of his trials and troubles, and now his friends have come. And they are attempting to help him. Job chapter 4 and verse number 8. The Bible says, Even as I have seen they that plow iniquity and sow wickedness reap the same. It's very true. How about Galatians 6-7? Paul, writing to the church at Galatia. Verse 
Galatians 6-7 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Romans. Romans 1-20. Again, Paul writing to the church at Rome. Romans 1.20 says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. And then again in Romans 5.8. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Philistines, there are there is no excuse. They are a wicked, heathen nation that is pushing Israel and, and causing Israel to go against what God has said. That is why Samson is here. That is why Samson is doing these things. The way Samson is going about these things is just completely different than all of the other judges that we've seen. But we've also seen a difference in those that Samson surrounds himself with. He's chosen to either be by himself, and I don't blame him, or he's chosen to surround himself with the very people that he's supposed to be delivering Israel from. I mean, we just saw he got married to a Philistine woman. And all of this started as he got married to this Philistine woman and he, he at the party, he puts out the bed and... And he gives the riddle and they use her to get the riddle and he gets mad and he storms off. He storms off after killing 30 Philistines, paying off his debt. He storms off and leaves his wife behind. And verse number, or chapter number 14 ends with, But Samson's wife was given to his companion whom he had used as his friend. And then chapter 15 says, But it came to pass within a while after in the time of wheat harvest that Samson visited his wife with a kid. And he said, I will go into my wife, into the chamber. But her father would not suffer him to go in. Samson is surrounding himself with people that are wicked and ungodly. In the choosing of Samson's wife, we see a stark contrast to other women that God has used, like Ruth, for example. Ruth, while she was a Moabitess, she was not of the children of Israel. She continually sought the betterment and, and the welfare of her mother-in-law, Naomi, who was of the children of Israel. She went out of her way even after her husband died to go and take care of her mother-in-law. Someone who she, whom she had no responsibility whatsoever for. Ruth truly loved her husband. Samson's wife, on the other hand, even as a new bride sought her own comfort above Samson's wishes. This, obviously, was not a marriage born out of love. This was not a bride who would leave his father and mother and cleave unto her husband. Instead, this was a selfish bride and a selfish groom. 
a groom who immediately put his new bride in danger simply because of a riddle. Because he sought his own pleasure rather than caring for her. I think in this point we can all see characteristics of both of them in ourselves. But when we last left, when we left Samson last week, he was throwing a hissy fit and having a pity party. In his anger, he'd killed those 30 men, and then he'd went to his father's house to pout. Now he's had some time to calm down and come to himself, and he decides he wants to go and see his wife, who he left behind. Again, very strange. But her father, her father believed that he had hated her. He believed that he had scorned her, so he gave her to one of Samson's companions. She was now married to another man. And again, Samson gets angry. And in his anger, he makes this statement in verse number three. And Samson said, Concerning them, now shall I be more blameless than the Philistines, though I do them a displeasure. Samson is playing the blame game. He's saying, What's going to happen is not my fault. It has nothing to do with me. He's just absolved himself of any responsibility in his own mind for what is about to happen. How often does this happen in our own homes, in our own lives? I'm only yelling because you're yelling. He hit me first. They're always picking on me. All of these are excuses that make us feel better, but they're not worth a cent. The truth here is Samson is just as responsible for what is going to happen to his wife and her father as the Philistines are. We can't choose the circumstances that happen in our lives for the most part, but we can choose our reactions. Matthew 5.39 Matthew 5 and verse number 39 This is not a very popular verse in our country right now. It says, But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee in thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. It 
Verse number 40, And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Or how about Luke 6, 29? We'll start in verse number 27. It says, But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask him not again. Ephesians Ephesians 4 verse number 26 Ephesians 4 26 says be ye angry and sin not let not the sun go down upon your wrath The Bible never tells us not to be angry. It says that we are to be angry and sin not. Christ himself often was angry. We've started this last week, started into uh, the Passion Week in our study in the book of John. In other Gospels, the, the men record Christ as he enters in his triumphal entry immediately going into the temple and throwing over the money changers tables and running everybody out with a cord of whips or a whip of cords Christ was angry but his anger was righteous and just Samson is angry just to be angry now we know, the Bible tells us in Judges chapter 13, that God is seeking occasion against the Philistines, that God is seeking to root them out. And that's why he's allowed Samson to do what he's doing. But we need to be very careful that we are not having this spirit of Samson in our own lives. So many times, anger just turns into sin because we allow it to dictate what our actions are without any thought. Anger is an emotion that God put into us. If God didn't want us to have anger, he wouldn't have allowed us to have anger in the first place. Anger can be a great motivation. But that anger needs to be used in a non-sinful way. Samson here just gets angry. He catches 300 foxes and ties their tails together and puts firebrands between their tails and lets them loose into the standing corn of the Philistines. 
people who had nothing to do with why Samson's cannot go see his wife at this point. And of course, Samson's anger and reaction makes the Philistines angry and they react, which makes Samson's angry and he reacts, which makes the Philistines angry and they react. Do you see the problem? We, um, here in the state of Iowa, had that uh, public hearing last week for a bill that would define a legislative bill in the in the states, the state government that would define specific terms. It would define what a girl is, what a boy is, what a man is, what a woman is. I think there's nine specific terms. And as Brother Cranston with Iowa Baptist for Biblical Values was reaching out and seeking assistance, he was seeking for people to pray and for people to come and support. But he was seeking specifically for those that would come and support the bill that could have a cool head. That could not react to the opposition's taunting and anger. Again here, Samson is the one that's provoking. He is the aggressor. Now Joshua led Israel to conquer most of the promised land because God had commanded Joshua to do that. God had commanded that his people would go in and God directed how those people went in. If you remember, as Joshua came up to Jericho, God directed that they march around the walls once a day for six days. And on the seventh day they marched seven times. And then God knocked the walls down. He clearly gave them specific direction on what they should do. As we look through the rest of the book of Judges. God spoke to those judges and gave them specific direction on how they should interact. How they should order themselves. Samson is left on his own. And he's making his own choices. And we know the rest of the story. Samson's ultimately going to end up dying because of some of the choices that he's made. God is chastening the Philistines for their treatment of Israel. And Samson is just picking these fights by himself. And now, again, the Philistines are going to react. Their crops are gone. They are now reaping what they have sown as they've taken from Israel. Their crops are gone. Everything is gone. And now they go and rather than seek Samson, they go and seek Samson's wife and her father. We've seen this over and over again. Going back to Joshua and the battle of Ai, we saw Achan take of the accursed thing and his whole family was stoned and burnt. 
we get into the book of Daniel, we see those men make the law against trying to trap Daniel that they can't he can't pray to anyone but the king. And he gets thrown into the lion's den. And when God saves him from the lion's den, the men that are there that did this are thrown in. But not just them, also their families. In chapter, the beginning of Daniel, we see Nebuchadnezzar create the statue and command that everybody bow down to it. And he gets so angry that when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego won't bow, bow down to it, that he heats the furnace seven times hotter than it should be and he has the strongest men in his army bind them to throw them into the furnace and as they're doing that those men his most valiant warriors his his greatest men are tossed into the furnace and die all because of a king's anger So now Samson's wife and her father are burnt. Exactly what the Philistines had threatened to happen if she didn't find out the riddle has now happened even though she found out the riddle. Kind of makes you wonder if maybe she had just gone to Samson if things wouldn't have been different. And now Samson has to answer back. And he goes and he kills those Philistines that burnt his wife and her father to avenge himself. Violence only begets violence. Now, don't get me wrong. There is a time and a place for violence. God created us and allows us to defend ourselves. There is a time and a place where violence is the only answer, but it should not be the first answer. All the plants and animals that God created bring forth after their own kind. Our emotions and our reactions don't need to. Romans 12:20 Romans 12 we're going to start in verse number 19 Dearly beloved avenge not yourselves but rather give place unto wrath for it is written vengeance is mine I will repay saith the Lord Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Proverbs. Proverbs 25. Proverbs 25 and verse 21, If thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat, and if he be thirsty, give him water to drink. 
for thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward thee. The best way to defeat an enemy is to make him your friend. For us today, the best way for the lost world to come to know the Lord and Savior is for us to teach them. And in order for us to teach them, we have to be willing and able. We have to be in control of ourselves, of our emotions. After this great slaughter, Samson goes and dwells on the top of the rock Edom. He simply goes on about his life. No sign of remorse or regret for the loss of his wife. He just moves on. The most telling here, though, is that he makes no effort or show of thanksgiving to the God that gives him his great strength. Samson really doesn't even mention God until he's tied between the pillars, blind, and then he finally seeks God. Let's not be that way. Let's not only seek God in the trials, but let's give him thanks for the blessings.